The Daily 202 is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, February 21st. In today's news, the Justice Department expects the Mueller report to arrive as early as next week. The son of a North Carolina congressional candidate undercuts his father's claims that he didn't know about an operative's shady history. And a Coast Guard lieutenant is charged with plotting the assassinations of politicians and journalists. But first, the big idea. President Trump's special North Korean envoy, Stephen Began, arrived in Hanoi overnight. He's on a mission to iron out some kind of a deal with Pyongyang ahead of next week's second nuclear summit between Trump and Kim Jong-un. It's a daunting task, and it's made harder by deep skepticism within the administration over Began's approach, most notably from National Security Advisor John Bolton. Last month, in a lengthy speech at Stanford University, Began set out his vision for North Korea to dismantle its plutonium and uranium enrichment facilities in exchange for what he called corresponding measures by the United States. Among the incentives he dangled was a potential peace declaration that would aim to put a formal end to the Korean War, which has been suspended by an armistice since 1953. Hawks like Bolton fiercely oppose this step-by-step approach in favor of maintaining maximum pressure through economic sanctions that would, in theory, force a better deal by eroding North Korea's resolve. Bolton has fretted privately that Began's team is too eager to cut a deal, and he continues to believe that the negotiations will fail, according to several people familiar with the internal deliberations who talked to my colleagues John Hudson on the State Department beat and David Nakamura on the White House beat. Bolton is not the only one who's concerned. At a recent interagency meeting, senior officials from the Treasury Department and the Pentagon also warned Began in stark terms not to loosen sanctions or move too quickly to agree to an end-of-war declaration. Officially, the White House insists there's no friction between Bolton and Began, but they decline to elaborate on their relationship. And we've heard that Bolton continues to gripe internally about the talks as recently as this week. He's even complained directly about Began's approach to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who the envoy reports to. The stakes are high. U.S. intelligence officials told Congress earlier this month that it is unlikely Kim will agree to relinquish his nuclear arsenal, even as the regime has sought relief from the punishing sanctions. Trump, who initially demanded that North Korea give up its nuclear program entirely and quickly, has worked to lower public expectations since Singapore. He declared this week that he is in no rush as long as the Kim regime maintains a freeze on nuclear and ballistic missile testing that began in late 2017. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Justice Department officials expect special counsel Bob Mueller to deliver a report on his investigation into Trump's relationship with Russia in the coming days. According to a person familiar with the matter, Mueller could deliver his report to Attorney General William Barr next week. Regulations call for Mueller to offer a confidential explanation as to why he decided to charge certain individuals and not others. He's also required to disclose who else he investigated and why he didn't follow through on charging any of them. The attorney general is then required to report to Congress about the investigation. A Trump advisor said there's concern among the president's inner circle that this report might contain information about Trump and his team that's politically damaging but short of criminal conduct. 
Even before he was confirmed by the Senate, Barr had preliminary discussions about the logistics surrounding the conclusion of Mueller's inquiry. But at the time, Barr hadn't been briefed on the substance of Mueller's investigation, so the conversations were limited. Lawmakers have demanded that Mueller's report be made public in its entirety, but Barr has been noncommittal on that point, saying he intends to be as transparent as possible, but the Justice Department rules limit what he can say, especially about people who were never charged with a crime. Meanwhile, Trump's former lawyer Michael Cohen has agreed to testify before the House Oversight Committee on February 27th. Cohen says the schedule has now been set after postponing twice before. And a judge agreed to delay the start of the president's longtime lawyer's prison sentence by two months. Cohen's lawyers said he was still recovering from shoulder surgery and preparing to testify before Congress, leaving him little time to get his affairs in order. Prosecutors didn't object to this one-time delay, which will move the start of Cohen's time in the clink to May 6th. Number two. It was a wild hearing in North Carolina yesterday. The son of Mark Harris, the congressional candidate entangled in an election fraud scandal, said he warned his father that a political operative hired by the Harris campaign had previously used illegal tactics to win votes. John Harris, Mark's son, is now an assistant U.S. attorney in Raleigh. He said he believed that Leslie Dowless, the operative on his father's campaign, collected absentee ballots in 2016 while working for a different Republican candidate in North Carolina's 9th Congressional District. He conveyed similar concerns to the campaign's chief strategist, Andy Yates, he said, under oath. Mark Harris hired Dallas despite his son expressing concerns. In his testimony, the son said, quote, I thought what Dallas was doing was illegal, and I was right. This dramatic testimony undercut claims by both the father, a 52-year-old evangelical minister, and Yates that they had no idea there were any red flags that Dallas might be breaking the law. Number three, U.S. Coast Guard Lieutenant Christopher Hassan, a self-identified white nationalist, was allegedly planning a mass terrorist attack targeting politicians and journalists in Washington but was arrested when federal investigators discovered his stockpile of weapons and ammunition. Lieutenant Hassan called for violence to, quote, establish a white homeland. He said, quote, I am dreaming of a way to kill almost every last person on the earth. That's according to court records filed in the U.S. District Court in Maryland. Though court documents do not detail a specific plan date for the attack, the government said he had been amassing supplies and weapons since at least 2017, he also had a spreadsheet of targets that he wanted to kill, allegedly, including Nancy Pelosi, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, MSNBC host Joe Scarborough, and Senator Dick Blumenthal from Connecticut. Officials described the lieutenant as a man obsessed with neo-fascist and neo-Nazi views. He'd been working at the Coast Guard's Washington headquarters since 2016 and served in the Marine Corps from 1988 to 1993. He also had spent two years in the Army National Guard in the mid-90s. According to a Coast Guard spokesman, he no longer works at the headquarters. Court documents don't detail what prompted federal law enforcement to first begin looking into the lieutenant, but they contend that Hassan had been studying the manifesto of right-wing terrorist Anders Breivik, who unleashed two attacks in 2011 that killed 77 people in Norway. In a letter drafted to an American neo-Nazi leader, Hassan wrote, according to court filings, I was and am a man of action. You cannot change minds protesting like what we saw in Charlottesville. However, you can make change with a little focused violence. 
And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, February 21st. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.